Jai Jai Sitatana Jaya Nityananda Jaya Dvita Chandadaya Gora Bhakta Vinna Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare So, um, <clears throat> today our topic is, uh, is, is how Lord Chaitanya, uh, Lord Chaitanya's movement has its roots in, uh, in Veda and Vedic culture. Uh, and, uh, and it's interesting to, uh, to discuss these things. So, first of all, we, uh, we can understand that uh, there is the, uh, the Vedic literature, which is basically a constant thing. And then, along with the Vedic literature, there's also a Vedic culture, which may undergo some changes over time. And there may be, in the sense that... Uh, people may highlight different aspects of the Vedas or there are interpretations of the Vedas. Uh, like we see uh, at one point that uh, Sankaracharya gives an interpretation of the Vedas and gives his impersonalist uh, explanation. And, uh, and it's all within the context of, of a Vedic Vainashram culture, but at that point, the uh, uh, the conclusion of the Vedas was becoming covered by uh, a philosophical uh, misrepresentation, right, a wrong interpretation. So, in that way, interpretation can culturally manifest, whereas the Vedas are the Vedas. The Vedas are described as apuruseya, and the Vedas are described, that means, as not coming from man, but rather from a divine origin. Uh, <clears throat> um, Lord Chaitanya aligned himself with the, uh, uh, the Madhva Sampradaya because his spiritual master, Iswarapuri, came in the line of Madhvacharya, being the disciple of Puri. So, in this way, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, um, when, in one sense, comes in the line of Madhva. Um, also, philosophically, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu accepts the, uh, uh, the essence of the teachings of Madhvacharya, which that's established in the Prameya Ratnavali by Baladevi Jabusan, who establishes that there are nine Prameyas, nine, nine main philosophical points, which Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and, uh, and Madhvacharya both accept. But there is one that is added later by Bhaktivinoda Thakur, and that one is Rasa Tattva in particular, which is very much what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is explaining. And then Bhaktivinoda Thakur start to speak of, of, of the Dasamula and or the ten root principles of the teachings of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Um, that we'll discuss a little later when we find the time. But now I'll just go to the, the second part of, uh, of the Dasamula, because the second point of the Dasamula is that transcendental truth are revealed only in the Veda. Mm. So this is both in the Dasamula and the Nine Prameyas. Then Bhaktivinoda Thakur. When the imperceptible object is not to be discovered by the direct meanings of the word, 
The extrapolations, which are merely backup and assisting methods, are impotent. Therefore, an intelligent person discards the efficacy process of interpretative extrapolation to understand the transcendental Vedic truth and simply depends on the direct and unequivoc unequivocal meaning of the Vedic words. Um, so, okay, sounds maybe a little complex for some, but I have discussed it already uh, earlier on that there is the Mukya Vritti and the Gona Vritti, the direct interpretation of, of a Vedic text where the words basically are, are given, the direct meaning is taken, or when that doesn't work, then Gona Vritti is allowed indirect interpretation. I gave the example, the house is on the Ganges. Uh, the house is not on the Ganges, the house is obviously on the bank of the Ganges. Right? But, the, but it's not stated bank. Therefore, when it says the house is on the Ganges, we understand that the house is on the bank of the Ganges. And like that. Um, okay, then comes the explanation. And that's interesting. <laughs> Manusam vichari sushat didosa tatustayam tatadoksha tatatvesu durni varyam budirapi opurse vakyani pramanam pramanam tatakevalam pratyaksam anumanam chatat adinatayat kwatsit. The Supreme Lord Chaitanya impregnated the heart of the first poet and philosopher, Lord Brahma, with the eternal knowledge of the Veda appeared in Kali Yuga in Navadvip. He purified the all-auspicious knowledge of the Veda from the contaminating influence of the age and enthroned them in their pristine glory. So that is, uh, is, is an, the explanation of Bhaktivinoda Thakur and it's very significant huh? uh, because it's exactly what I was talking about. I was talking about how the Veda is, is the same but how the culture around it may change and may pick up some contaminating influence. So Chiri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu purified the all auspicious knowledge of the Veda from the contaminating influence of the age and enthroned them in their pristine glory. And that's exactly what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu did. And that is, so in one sense he is uh, is reviving the true meaning of the Vedas, as it's been covered by various things. We can see that at the time of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, um, there was, uh, um, there was uh, a lot of preoccupation with Nyaya. There was, uh, there were smarter Brahmanas who uh, were particularly interested in karmakanda rituals, which are found in the Dharma Shastra. Um, there were demigod worshippers who would worship uh, uh, all Shaktas, Durga, Kali, and other Chandi, Vasuli, and so many different uh, uh, devatas, and their worship uh, was was mixed with. Uh, Activities of the lower lower nature, uh, flesh was offered, uh, wine was offered, and uh, all that we find described in the Chaitanya Charitamrita. So, uh, yeah, uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu establishes the real purpose of the Vedas. Uh, that is also found in the in the in the Bhagavad Gita. So, it is said that Vedaistha Sarver Aham Eva Vidyo. So, that 
is translated by all the Vedas, I am to be known. Um, Vedanta Krit, yes, I am the uh, compiler of Vedanta. Um, or Vedavit, the knowers of the Vedas. Uh, Vedanta Krit, uh, one could also say Krita, Krita also means benefit. So one could say, I'm also the benefit of all the Vedanta. Mm. The purpose of all the Vedanta. Yes. So in this way, uh, it's Bhagavad Gita clearly makes the point that Krishna is is really what the Vedas is about. Uh, Srimad Bhagavatam says, Nikamagalpa Tarur Galitam Falam Sukha Amrita Dravam. Sorry, uh, I stumbled over my own tongue. And uh, I'll, I'll start it again in a moment. Anyway, it, the point that is being made is that Srimad Bhagavatam is the essence of all Vedic literature. Uh, uh, the Vaishnavas Acharyas are echoing that. The Briyad Bhagavatam Rita echoes that. There is a discussion of the Vedic literature, and, uh, and ultimately the Upanishads are. Uh, establishing the impersonal truth, but finally Bhagavatam and, and some Agamas uh, are establishing that ultimately Krishna is the ultimate goal of the Vedas. So when we explain, um, when we explain some of the Vedic texts separate from, from worship to Krishna, then we're doing a disservice and that we also see in Srimad Bhagavatam, when Vyasadeva is despondent after he has written all the Vedic literatures, even the Mahabharata was already written, and still he was not satisfied. Narada, his spiritual master, appears, and they look into the reason why, and the reason that is identified is because um, Vyasadeva had not directly glorified the Supreme Lord, which is the real meaning of the Vedas. And then he takes up that mission to write Srimad Bhagavatam. Uh, and in that way, it is the, uh, the essence of all Vedic literature. And so we should understand everything is connected with that. Right? We cannot disconnect the understanding of the various uh, Vedic literatures from Srimad Bhagavatam. As soon as we do, we begin to uh, to, to emphasize wrongly or to interpret it wrongly. Therefore, but the, all the Vedic literature must be interpreted through Srimad Bhagavatam. Mm -hmm. uh, then we, uh, we read a little more because I didn't finish Bhaktivinoda Thakur's reading. So I'll just repeat what, uh, what I said before that uh, Lord Chaitanya purified the all-auspicious knowledge of the Veda from the contaminating influence of the age and enthroned them in their pristine glory. The four folds inherit in, sorry, in all humans imperfect senses, falling into illusion, making mistake, and the propensity to cheat always creep into their conclusions in a certain transcendental subject matter. Even the most erudite pundits are not able to free themselves from these four folds. Uh, so again, Bhaktivinoda Thakur makes like a very strong statement, which is very significant. Um, we have, for example, uh, various gotras, various Brahminical lineages. And within these lineages, uh, transcendental knowledge is preserved. So when we say the the Gotamiya, Gotamiya Gotra, or the Bhargava Gotra, or the Parasara, Parasara Gotra, all these different Gotras, all these family lineages, Brahminical family lineages, which can be traced back to uh, the principal sages in the Vedic literature, um, they are, uh, in one sense, a type of disciplic succession. 
where transcendental knowledge is passed on from one generation to the next. But there is a problem, um, as Srila Bhakti Vinod Thakur points out, that there are these, uh, these four basic defects, uh, these four basic defects, the uh, imperfect senses, falling into illusion, making mistakes, and the propensity to cheat. And they always creep into the uh, conclusions. Um, one famous example that we can think of is uh, Sukracharya when he was dealing with Bali Maharaj, because Sukracharya was instructing Bali Maharaj as a guru, and uh, at one point Vamana had appeared, and Vamana was taking away everything Bali Maharaj had. And Sukracharya was becoming worried because Sukracharya was the spiritual master of the Daichas, so he was going to be directly affected by it. Therefore, um, he, out of material consideration, he instructed Bali Maharaj not to surrender everything to Vishnu and gave him reasons also, rationalized that. But that was a deviation from Sukracharya's side. It was, in a way, cheating because he became materially attached. Uh, um, later, uh, Sukracharya is in a discussion with the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and Supreme Personality of Godhead Lord Vishnu says, My dear Sukracharya, um, please tell me, you know, I mean, on the basis of what scripture were you actually uh, instructing him? Um, Sukracharya was like, well, um, yeah, yeah, uh, maybe, uh, maybe not exactly. Yes, exactly. So uh, everything should be on the on the basis of revealed scripture, isn't it? Uh, yes, yes, of course. And then that was it. Sukracharya was again realigned, realigned, you know, uh, to to representing the Vedic scripture. So the Brahmana is in this way, the mouth of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, where Veda is upward, say, directly revealed from the Supreme, from the breath of the Supreme Lord. Then the Brahmana is the mouthpiece of that. But as we see, uh, because the, the four basic defects of all inherent in all humans, imperfect senses, falling to illusion, making mistakes, and the propensity to cheat, always creep in to their conclusions. Um, in ascertaining transcendental subject matters, even the most erudite pundits are not able to free themselves from these four faults. Uh -huh. And again, this comes up in the discussion with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and the uh, uh, the Kashmiri Pandit, um, because we saw that Keshava Kashmiri Pandit uh, recited uh, upon the request of Nimai a poem with one hundred verses in in glorification of the Ganga, and then uh, it was an amazing feat, and then Nimai was glorifying it, but Nimai was also pointing out, can you please point out the uh, the embellishments? He quoted the six uh, of your verses and also the faults. And it says, faults, faults. There are no faults. And uh, Nimai then uh, got into the 64th verse and, uh, and found several faults in it and so on. But then Nimai says, yes, but still, you know, you are a very great poet and directly empowered by Saraswati, you know, because uh, even the great poets like Vijapati and Chandidas and others who were very famous at that time, uh, said even their, their works are full of faults. Hmm. Bhaktivinotaka continues. Therefore, especially in regard to supramundane topics, only the superhuman and the divine and divine words of the Veda are the sole evidences. Other proofs like direct sensual perception, inference, comparison, tradition, etc., are sometimes pressed into service, but only as subordinate evidences 
to the authority of the Vedas. So this is from uh, Srila Bhaktivinotakra Das Dasamula Tattva, uh, text number two, the Veda and the perfect proof, Amnaya. And uh, so <clears throat> continuing on, on this, um, um, there is some more brought up, and that is said, uh, what is Amnaya, the following karika, explanatory verse, gives the definition of Amnaya, the, Vedic, the Veda. Amnaya sutriya saksat brahma vijeti visruta guru parampara prapta viswakartu hi brahmanaha. Knowledge in the form of scriptural conclusion spoken from guru to disciple in an unbroken disciplic chain beginning from Lord Brahma, the creator of this universe, known as also Brahmavitya, transcendental knowledge is called Amnaya. This is substantiated in the Mudaka Upanishad, 1.1.1 and also 1.2.13. <coughs> Brahma Devanam Pratama Sambhava the Creator, Maintainer, and Firstborn Demigod, Lord Brahma, tutored his eldest son, Atarva, in the essence of all Vedic knowledge, known as Brahmavidya, Transcendental Absolute Truth. By this knowledge, the Absolute Truth, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, is realized. Mundaku Upanishad. And the Brihan An Aranyaka Upanishad 2.4.10 uh, is also quoted. <clears throat> and there, um, it is established uh, Asya Mahato Bhutasya Nisvasitam Etat Rigvedayayur Vedasama Vedar Vedatar Vangirasa Itihasa Puranam Vidya Upanishada Sloka Sutani Anu Vakya Nani Sarvani Nisva Sitani. So I read the Sanskrit so that, you, that we could hear that uh, the, uh, that he says, Itihasa Puranam, uh, that he mentions the Itihasas and Puranas. So now I read the English. The four Vedas, the Itihasas, Puranas, Upanishads, aphorism, purports, and so on, have all emanated from the breath of the infinite supreme controller. So uh, there we go. The Briyat Adan Yaka Upanishad is recognizing the Itihasas and Puranas as as coming directly from the breath of the Supreme Lord. Uh, so that is important. In this way, we can appreciate that, uh, that, we, that this is direct evidence. Then Bhakti Yunotaku continues, the Mahabharata, Ramayana and similar literature are itihasas, histories. There are 18 principal Puranas headed by Srimad Bhagavatam, 80. 18 subordinate Puranas. That's all mentioned in the 12th canto, Srimad Bhagavatam. Out of the prominent 108, the principal Upanishads are 11, the Isha, Kena, Kata, Prasna, Mundaga, Mandukya, Taitiriya, uh, Attareya, Chandokya, Briyat, Aranyagya, and Svetasvatara. Uh, slokas are poetic composition with specific meters, composed by Rishis, philosophers, sutras, are concise everisms, written by principal spiritual preceptors, acharyas, and anu vyakyas are written by the acharyas as purports to the sutras. However, the spiritual meaning of the word amnaya is veda. Hmm. Yeah, Chaitanya Charitamrita uh, also established the importance of, of the Vedas uh, in uh, Ari Lila 7, 132 is the self-evident Vedic literature is the highest evidence of all. 
But if this literature is interpreted, it is self-evident nature is lost. All right, so uh, <clears throat> I know that was a, a little technical, a little dry maybe, but it's important because it, uh, it establishes what Vedic literature is, and it includes the Itihasas, the, the Ramayana, the Mahabharata, and, uh, and the Puranas. And, uh, and it shows also uh, how the Vedas is one thing and Vedic culture is another thing. Right? The point about these four uh, basic uh, mistakes uh, are there throughout, uh, throughout. Um, so the, so therefore, the Vedic culture can have some corruption. Of course, our manuscripts can we can also become affected because we saw uh, there are the four folds include cheating propensities. So sometimes some manuscripts have been changed a little bit to to make a particular group look a little more favorable. Or sometimes these, these manuscripts were hand copied by Brahmanas and sometimes one was a little inattentive or whatever and misread something and made a mistake in the copy. So in this way, uh, some, some differences also come in. Sometimes maybe uh, a verse was, uh, was skipped and then it's missing and that manuscript produced other manuscripts, and then you get like differences. Then you get suddenly some versions that have more, uh, more verses in there than, uh, than other versions. So these things uh, happen also in the, in the scripture itself. Uh, but of course, uh, Veda originally was delivered uh, orally. Anyway, so as it's coming through human beings, uh, such level of, of mistakes can also enter into time. Um, yeah, so Chaitanya Mahaprabhu purified Vedic culture, uh, but he himself was very much part of Vedic culture from his childhood. Um, his father was, uh, was a Brahmana. Uh, his uh, and he was uh, known as Jagannath Mishra or Purandar Mishra, and he was strictly um, following Brahminical sanskaras according to the Vedic culture. Uh, they also, uh, he also made sure his, uh, his son uh, received the sacred thread at the appropriate time, that his son was trained accordingly, his mother as a Brahmani, was also uh, strict, you know, like when Nimai uh, picked up a little puppy and so on and played with that little puppy and uh, his mother uh, did not appreciate um, because as a Brahmin boy, he's not supposed to. Um, at one point, we see that uh, in the house, uh, the Shaligam Shila was worshipped um, we also hear that uh, a deity was found at the time of the excavation of the site at the yoga pit, a deity of Adokshaja Vishnu, which, uh, according to Bhaktivinoda Thakur, is accepted as the worshipable deity in the house of, uh, of Jagannath Misra. We also hear that from, from Chaitanya Bhagavat that Mother Sachi was worshipping deities of Krishna and Balaram. Uh, there's that well-known story that uh, one night Mother Sachi had a dream. And in the dream, her deities, Krishna and Balaram, are there. And she just made an offering to the deities of Krishna and Balaram. And then suddenly... Nimai, her son, appears, and Nitai is also there. And both Nimai and Nitai start fighting, start fighting with, uh, with Krishna and Balaram over the offering. And especially 
between Nichananda and Balaram, it became a big fight, and Nichananda said, look, you know, you get out of here, this is our yuga, this is our offering, and you have no claim to this. And, and in this way, you see a whole fight, and then Sachi, she woke up in the morning, and she's just thinking, I mean, what is this? What is this dream? Nima is fighting with the deities. But then, as time went on, she sort of forgot about the dream. But that day, uh, Nichananda was also coming to the home for lunch prasadam, and she served both Lord Chitanimai, her son, and, and Nitai. And just as she saw them, she suddenly remembered the dream. And she, and she just, just, and she just, just, she fainted in a shock. And so anyway, this story from the Chaitanya Bhagavad is indicating that she was worshipping Krishna. So there's a Brahmin family, and we see they are worshipping the Shalagram Shila, they're worshipping Adoksha Vishnu and uh, worshipping Krishna and Balaram. Right? So we see that the, as a Brahmin family, they were Vaishnavas. They were a Vaishnav family, um, because in Navadvip, so many Brahmanas were not Vaishnavas, and they were like smartas and pre uh, smarter Brahmanas. They mainly preoccupied themselves with Manusmriti, um, and because the Manusmriti is very practical, it gives all these uh, sanskaras that are to be be performed at different points in life. Uh, the Garbhadana Sanskara, before one conceives a child, the uh, Ovifa Sanskara is before that, and then there is the uh, the Jatakarana Sanskara, the, the birth ceremony that's performed for a child. And all throughout life there are rites of passage, and each time blessings are invoked, and so the Smarta Brahmanas were uh, uh, closely connected with uh, with with family life and therefore uh, it's not surprising they became uh, very popular and predominant in um, in India as a whole <clears throat> and that for the last thousand years the smarter brahmanas were uh, predominant in India and they uh, put the essence on ritual mm. So they placed the essence on ritual as, as what, what, what was in the forefront. Whereas Lord Chaitanya goes, it's not the ritual. <clears throat> it is the spirit of devotion. Uh, devotion to the Supreme Lord. That is the essence of all Vedic literature. Uh, when we say that Krishna is the essence of all Vedic literature, then it's, it's not just... A statement in itself, it means devotional service to Krishna. Because Krishna is always accompanied by his devotees and devotional service. So that's then automatically the picture. Then devotion uh, and devotional service becomes the essence of the Vedic culture and not the ritual. Hmm. And so we can see that Vedic culture, <coughs> or what is Hinduism today, is very much reduced to ritualism. Right? So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu purified, purified the Vedic culture um, and brought it back to, to, to the real focus, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Now it's very interesting, um, one final topic that I kind of wanted to address is uh, is how the Veda is Apurusaya, is coming directly from the Supreme Lord, and how, how the Vedic literature is transparent to the spiritual world. And we see uh, that, for example, Devanagri, uh, Devanagri or the, the, the Sanskrit language is described to be the, uh, the language of the, of the devas. 
not only of the devatas, not only that the demigods are speaking Sanskrit, but Sanskrit is a divine language, which is also spoken in the spiritual world, in Vaikuntha, and so on, right? And even in, in Golok, um, the Vedic literatures are, uh, or Vedic knowledge is, is, is also uh, part of the culture and is referred to uh, even there in the eternal spiritual world. It is a, uh, mm, it is present. Um, we always refer back to the, the story of, uh, of, of, uh, of how Krishna showed the uh, residence of Vrindavan, the spiritual world. Um, Nanda Maharaj was the cause of it because Nanda Maharaj had taken his bath on the Dwadasi. Nanda Maharaj had gone into the Yamuna too early, was arrested by the servants of Varuna. Varuna was there under the water. Nanda Maharaj saw him, Varuna, sitting on a throne, jewels everywhere because lots of jewels in the ocean. So extremely opulent and, and, and therefore Nanda Maharaj had no doubt who he was uh, in whose presence he was, it was clearly Varuna. And Nanda Maharaj was amazed to see Varuna. Next moment, in Vrindavan, alarm, 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 Nanda's gone into the waters. Krishna jumps into the Yamuna. Krishna appears in the court of Varuna. Varuna falls flat on the ground and starts reciting prayers and says, finally, this life, this life is successful after so many births because now I got the darshan of the Supreme Lord. Uh, and uh, Varuna recognizes Krishna as the Supreme Lord, and Nanda is just there, shocked. Anyway, Krishna says, thanks a lot, Varuna, but got no time, got to go. Residence up there in Vrindavan, in anxiety, takes Nanda Maharaj and emerges with Nanda Maharaj out of the river. Nanda is saved, celebration, this, that. Then Nanda tells what he heard. Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and then the residents of Vrindavan say, well, then show us something. What would you like? Uh, well, how about Brahma Jyoti? You know, that's boring. I'll show you Golok. Okay. He shows Golok at the place of Brahmarada, the same place where, uh, where Akrura entered into the waters and had a whole vision of Vaikuntha. And then they see Golok, and as they see Golok, it's the same as their own village. The only difference is there's these four effulgent personalities who are the Vedas personified. Hmm. Now, so this is significant because it is said that the village otherwise was not any different from the spiritual world. So this particular reference from Bhagavatam is reference that when Krishna appeared, on earth 5,000 years ago, whatever culture was there 5,000 years ago was the culture of the spiritual world. Uh, and it's very interesting. The whole transparency of what was happening there. Uh, so as the Dham is manifesting itself at the time of Krishna, it is completely transparent to the spiritual world. And of course, that means the, the whole culture, that means the dress, that means uh, the, the entire, uh, the, the, the arts, the, the, the music, this, the, all these things were part of the eternal spiritual world. Um, so my topic is, is how the Vedas, um, are transparent to the spiritual world, and how in Vedic knowledge, uh, the elements of the Vedic world are descending into this world. Uh, we, we hear that uh, the gopis are playing musical instruments like, uh, like venas, uh, and that these venas are, are played in Golok. Then we see there's a Vedic culture, which has 
Venus, right? Different Venus, and so on. And there are other instruments that are traditional and Vedic and mentioned in Vedic. Then we get musical scales and so on. Um, and of course, you know, we have a whole architecture uh, in Golok, which also manifested in Vrindavan. And then we have, uh, we have uh, things such as the Shilpa Shastra. I made some notes that I'll quickly look at. Yeah, so the Shilpa Shastra is, is text that is dealing with, uh, with architecture and with arts. And then, you know, it says the Agama literature, uh, which has been recognized in the uh, Manduga Upanishad as, uh, as transcendental, as coming from the breath of the Lord, the Agama literature includes the Shilpa Shastra, which covers architecture and iconography. Um, the aspects of temple construction are dealt in Devalaya Vastu and Pratima deals with the iconography. Sometimes the term Shilpa is also used to denote the art of sculpting. But here Shilpa refers to the practice of the technique, while Shastra refers to its principles. Um, so this I is is from uh, uh, from the internet from Srinivasa uh, Rouse.com. Uh, um, Srinivas Rao, Srinivas Rao's blogs. Right? So Srinivas Rao has uh, made this point and he quotes, right? he quotes from uh, he refers that the Shilpa Shastra has its origin in the uh, Agama literature and, uh, and also points out, oh, one minute here. Uh, so the Brihat Samhita of the Varaha Mihi Mira, the 52 Vastu Vidya. The texts that are collectively called Vastu Shastra have their origin in the, in the sutras, Puranas, and Agamas, besides the Tantric literature and the Briyad Samhita of the Varaha uh, Mihi Mira. Okay, according to the 52nd uh, verse from Vastu Vidya. So, all right, so we're having here some references um, to Shilpa Shastra. And uh, <coughs> now we understand that <coughs> also in the discussion, uh, Srinivas Rao makes a distinction between, he says, uh, sometimes the Shilpa is used to denote the art of sculpting, but here Shilpa refers to the practice of the technique, while Shastra refers to its principles. So in technique, we can see maybe some things are developed according to time, place, and circumstances. So again, we see that difference between the Shastra, which is cannot be, uh, cannot be changed, and is the unchangeable element, and maybe some element of culture which could have some element of change. But talking about the principle uh, that there is architecture in the spiritual world. There are buildings, there are palaces described in Vaikuntha. There are buildings in Golok Vrindavan. Uh, and the architecture of that uh, of that realm is reflected in the Shilpa Shastra, which then may also contain elements of, of temporary culture. <clears throat> so um, that's interesting.
The Shastra then, um, and the Argamas and so on, is, is not in any way uh, uh, contaminated, but it says then there are technical, uh, technical descriptions which may <clears throat> be added uh, as, uh, and, and as commentaries and so on. So I'm not saying that in this discussion I am going to the bottom of that particular aspect um, and that I do uh, a very detailed study now on, uh, on, on Shilpa Shastra and whether there is, uh, um, whether there is the, uh, the pure transcendental and then possibly uh, some mundane influence and where is the exact borderline. I'm not going to determine that. I'm, I'm simply establishing the principle that there is bona fide reflection of spiritual architecture in the Shilpa Shastra. And, uh, and the same in, in the Bharata Shastra from the Atharva Veda, uh, which gives us the arts and so on. And so we're bringing uh, Vedic culture then, and that is the all over point we are establishing. Vedic culture is, uh, is transparent to elements of the spiritual world and the dress also. Uh, see the Prabhupada, for example, refers to Yasoda being very nicely uh, dressed in a sari and uh, they're actually <clears throat> and we uh, we can in this way um, appreciate the unique nature of the Vedic culture and therefore we can never uh, describe uh, the Vedic culture as merely Indian culture, something that manifested according to time, place, and circumstances. Uh, and we can also by no means disconnect Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's movement from the Vedic culture. Uh, there has been plenty of that uh, since, she, since Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was completely uh, spontaneous in ecstasy, in love of God. And since Chaitanya Mahaprabhu uh, was traveling through South India and, and preached just from that platform, and since Chaitanya Mahaprabhu did not write any, any, any books, and that's his followers, uh, sometimes uh, the, the point may be raised by critics of, of the Sampradaya from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to the six Goswamis to Krishnadas Kaviraj to Naratam to Baladev Vijabhushan to uh, or, or to Naya Vishnu Chakravarti Baladev Vijabhushan Jagannadas Babaji and Bhaktivinoda Thakur Bhaktisiddhanta Prabhupada uh, that all that may uh, be questioned as being consistent and say Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is one, the, the Goswamis are another, uh, <coughs> Krishna Kaviraj is again another level. Uh, but no, the critics are, are wrong. Um, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Rupa Goswami are completely aligned. But we see that a lot of uh, we see it in the owls and the bowls um, that they have just taken up uh, spontaneous bhakti without any rules, without any rules. Rupa Goswami condemns it. Shruti Smriti Puranadi Pancharat Navidim Vina Akantika Harir Bhaktir Utpati Yaiva Kalpate and says any any practice that is not following the, the, the Shruti, the Smriti, the Puranas is just simply uh, 
a disturbance, um, simply, simply a disturbance on, on the path of bhakti. So, uh, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself, right, although he did show that ecstasy in South India and so on, but we also see him uh, quoting Srimad Bhagavatam. Uh, of course, you know, one can argue and argue, and those who wish to argue will always argue. And they will argue, yes, but those are the words that Krishnadas Kaviraj puts in his mouth. Yes, one can try and make a case to completely disconnect Chaitanya Mahaprabhu from, from all these personalities. Uh, but... Um, <clears throat> But then we see that uh, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, um, uh, not only that we see that there's consistency in all the biographies. Right? We cannot, we can try to dismiss Krishna Daskaviraj Goswami, but we also have Murari Gupta, who, uh, and we have Kavi Karnapur, who are, uh, are both uh, providing. Uh, the same understanding. And we have Vrindavan uh, Das Thakur, who describes an elaborate, an elaborate uh, description uh, of, of, the, of the life and pastimes and qualities of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and so on. So uh, what can we say? Um, there is a vast body. There is a vast body of, uh, of core literature. Uh, and then around it, yeah, then there's a whole universe of, of people who somehow or other call themselves Godias, scholars who look from the outside, have the tendency to look at everything as, uh, as, as Godia. Uh, and, and therefore it's all different manifestations of uh, uh, of somehow or other Chaitanya culture that, and different scholars to a different degree and I'm not uh, here uh, trying to uh, put any take a, take a biased position um, <clears throat> the point that I'm trying to is that it's natural it's natural that uh, the devotees who come in in a line of disciplic succession uh, will be more strict about uh, uh, the particular conclusions that are preserved in their disciplic succession. And our presentation is in the line of the Chaitanya Saraswat Sampradaya of Sila Bhakti Siddhanta, Saraswati Thakur, or uh, in the line of Bhakti Vinod Thakur, and as uh, the six Goswamis, Krishnadas Kaviraj, and as brought to the, to the Western world and explained by A.C. Bhakti Vinanta Swami Prabhupada. <clears throat> so uh, that's that's another important point. Um, let me just quickly look if I forgot something here on my notes. Yeah, I had a little <clears throat> note here, which I didn't read, but I want to read to you. Um, it was on the point that... Uh, the Vedic literature uh, was corrupted according to the time and place. And I have here uh, a book on uh, Yamuna Acharya and uh, coming out of the uh, Sri Sampadaya. And it says, uh, the religious and philosophical atmosphere during the early, uh, early years of Yamuna's life was not a happy one, nor was it conducive to preach Vaishnava ideals. The doctrines of the schools of Buddhism, Nyaya, and, uh, <clears throat> and Mimamsa 
were already overthrown by Sankaracharya. Monistic doctrines and the principles of Shaivism were prominent, much to the disadvantage of other schools of thoughts. Um, uh, on page one, on a book on Yamuna Acharya by Dr. V. Varadach, uh, published publishers, Professor M. Ranga Acharya Memorial Trust, 41, Soon Kuwar Street, Madras, 5. So, um, that's, that's further support from the Sri Sampadaya about uh, how also at the time of Yamuna Acharya, uh, there was uh, a Vedic culture which was presenting a wrong understanding of the Vedas. Now, the final point that I want to make is how Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is transcendental to the Vedas and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his followers. How, so I have spoken so much about him as a representative of the Veda, as being rooted in the Veda, and now we are going to speak about the aspect of being transcendental to the Veda, about not following the Veda. If I may quickly present like a visual thing, um, I like to put the Vedas in the middle. Then below, I want to put people who are not following the Vedas and who don't know the purpose of the Vedas and who are not striving to realize the purpose of the Vedas, which is pure devotional, to, uh, pure devotional service to Krishna. So those people who are not following the Vedas are causing a disturbance. Then I want to speak about those who are above the Vedas, who follow the purpose of the Vedas, and sometimes for the sake of following the purpose of the Vedas, <coughs> are, uh, are not following the detailed injunctions of the Vedas. <coughs> and the example that I'm giving here is, okay, let's read this. Uh, the gopis. Uh, it's about the gopis. Loka dharma veda dharma deha dharma karma laja darya deha sukha atma sukha marma dushcaja aryapatta nidja parijan swajana karyatada tadana varsan sarvachagi kore kare krishnira bhajan krishna sukha hita kara premisayvan Social customs, scriptural injunctions, bodily demands, Fruit of actions, shyness, patience, bodily pleasures, self-gratification, and the path of Varna Ashram Dharm, which is difficult uh, to give up. The gopis have forsaken all these along with their families and suffered their relatives' punishment and scolding, all for the sake of serving Lord Krishna. They render loving service to Him for the sake of His enjoyment. Adi Lila 467. Uh, to 169. Um, a transcendent. Okay, here's something more. The author of Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita advises everyone to give up all engagements of sense gratification and, like the gopis, dovetail oneself entirely with the will of the Supreme Lord. That is the ultimate instruction of Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita. We should be prepared to do anything and everything to please the Lord, even at the risk of violating the Vedic principles or ethical laws. Um, that is the standard of love of Godhead. Such activities and pure love of Godhead are as spotless as white linen that has been completely washed. Srila Bhaktivinoda warns us in this connection that we should not mistakenly think that the idea of giving up everything implies the renunciation of duties necessary in relation to the body and mind. Even such duties are not sense gratification if they're undertaken in the spirit of service to Krishna. Adilita 4, Chichitanya Charitamrita Adilita 4, 170, um, from the purport of A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. So that's also there. Um, we get a verse of uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Naham vipra na patir na pivaishina sudra naham vani na patir 
no venestri e tirva, kintu progenikilo punamitab der, gopi partipada, kamala yodas and das and das, which established Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is transcendental and only as the uh, as the devotee, uh, as the devotee uh, of the Lord who is not bound by all these externals. Uh, at the same time, we're seeing he's performing a, a strict example of, of sannyas, uh, uh, sleeps on the floor, eats very frugal, very simple, doesn't want to accept scented oil from Jagadananda Pandit, uh, uh, is, is just uh, a most, sets a most rigid example of sannyas. So it's strictly following the rules and regulations. Um, there's another example is Madhavinda Puri. I quickly get that verse because uh, I didn't memorize that. Very famous verse. No, it's not the one. Mm. Looking for the Sanskrit. Oui. I just want to include it, then it's complete. So if I can find it, it will be good. Um, I find it in the English, but. Yeah, well, I'll have to find. Uh, add the, we'll have to add in the verse later. Uh, the transcribers can do me a favor, just find it where uh, he gives up all his duties, such as his morning bath and so on, and now simply, uh, simply dedicates himself fully to the service of the Lord. Uh, another verse from Bhagavatam. Uh, which is also there, it points out Devarsi Bhutaptrininam Pitrinam Nakinkaro Nayamrini Sarajam Sarvatmanam Yasaranam Saranyam Gato Mukundam Pariyatya Kartam. That's Bhagavatam 11.5.41, and it points out all duties to the Devas, to the Rishis, to, to the, the forefathers, to the children, or to human beings. Uh, all these are, are already fulfilled by one who has fully taken shelter of, of serving the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Mukunda, the giver of liberation. So there's absolutely no need anymore uh, when one is serving Mukunda. So in this way, we see how Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's movement is establishing the real purpose of the Vedas and then uh, which is Krishna is the goal of the Vedas, devotional service to Krishna is the, is, the, is the purpose of the Vedas, love of God is the purpose of the Vedas and then in the cause of serving Krishna, sometimes even if it's favorable for Krishna for Krishna's service to break a Vedic rule, then that may be broken. Anakulyasya sankalpa pratikulyasya varjanam. Whatever is favorable for the service of the, of the Lord must be accepted. Whatever is not favorable must be rejected. Or as, as uh, Rupa Goswami in his Bhakti Rasamrita Sindh, Vaidiki Lokiki Vapiyat Kriya Kriya Temune Hari Sevanakuleva. Whatever is favorable for the service of the Lord, whether it is Vedic or mundane or practical, whatever is favorable for the service of the Lord must be performed. So in this way, I hope I've given a balanced perspective of uh, 
how Ch of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu uh, and his movement and the relationship that his movement has with the Veda and how Veda, everything is based on Veda and how Veda is the authority of whatever we do and even the authority to sometimes break the rules of the Vedas. And that's like, you know, I was on Air India and uh, there was turbulence and there was uh, no, no bathroom uh, for one and a half hours. So at one point I just go like, uh, what to do? Right, so I went to the bathroom and then uh, the, the steward, the main steward who was in charge of the cabin, an elderly, somewhat elderly man, you know, not very old, but a little bit mature. He, uh, I, he stopped me, he said, sir, the fasten seatbelt signs on, we cannot use the, uh, the washrooms. I said, uh, you know, so it's like, uh, said, it's come to a point, sir. I said, uh, he said, cello, right? And uh, so, I uh, I answered the call of nature and returned to my seat in gratitude. And later, as we left the plane, I said, uh, I, I I said thank you, sir, for uh, for bending uh, the rules and regulations. He said, you know, and as everyone in India. Uh, due to their long association of, uh, with Vedic culture, uh, has a little bit of Guru Tattva within him. Uh, he said, yes. He says, sometimes, uh, sometimes, for practical purposes, one has, to one has to adjust the principle. And in this way, uh, our flight attendant uh, manifested his Guru Tattva. I thank you very much and I'm looking forward to seeing you again tomorrow at the same time. Hare Krishna.